Hello and welcome to Star Trek Sundays. Today we're going to be discussing fashion and costumes in Did You See What They're Wearing? in episode 18, our final episode of season one of Star Trek Sundays. If you're new here, I'm Victoria and with me is my co-host T. Star Trek Sundays is a podcast through which we and our guest crew examine some of the philosophical themes presented in Star Trek every Sunday at 10 a.m. PST on Clubhouse. At the top of the room, we have pinned our Star Trek Sundays website, Star Trek Sundays podcast.com. There you'll find our published podcasts, my captain's log and guest blogs, links to our upcoming watch lists, and our Star Trek Sundays trading post. Star Trek Sundays podcast is available one week after the live show on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and from anywhere else you get your podcasts. Please consider subscribing to our channels. It helps us reach others who might enjoy the show. So T, was this fun or what? <laughs> this oh was such God. a fun collection to watch. And we watched them all together at the watch party yesterday with so many others. That was great. And I think it was like six hours. It, we started the watch party at noon just to get everybody ready. And it started at one. But we, I think, talked until just after six o'clock or something. So yeah, yeah, five or six hours. Yeah, it was, it was six hours and it was great. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was really fun. And not only was there terrific fashion in each, and by that I mean terrific and terrifying, <laughs> but the string of stories um, made for a really good blend with all the Klingons in there. So why don't you tell us how you came up with this topic, and then we'll move on to talking about each of the episodes. Absolutely. Thank you, Victoria. It was actually you who came up with this topic. Um you had said I want to do you want to do something a little bit more lighthearted, like talking about fashion. And so I had initially suggested humor, but I put fashion on the list and thought that this would be a great way to just end the season. So the topic of fashion in Star Trek is a little bit of an unusual one because Star Trek isn't exactly focused on being a runway show for the latest trends. Nevertheless, the signature styles of the costuming is frequently unmistakable. From the bridge to the lower decks, the crew of the Enterprise can be immediately recognized by rank and general role at a glance because of their signature style. The Klingons are always decked out in Naga hide. The Romulans have shoulder pads the 80s would be jealous of. Quark is the best dressed Ferengi in the sector. And I certainly enjoy some of the more revealing outfits. It's an interesting topic to me because it's part identity, part functionality, part self-expression, and part communication. And the writers of Star Trek really felt that in the future, we would have more freedom and equality of the sexes, so they were not afraid to experiment. At first, I envisioned this topic as being a very lighthearted one, just as an opportunity to joke about some of the costuming decisions. But after rewatching the material, I found myself asking some deeper questions about the messages being sent. So today, I hope you will join us in taking a deeper look at some of the fashion of Star Trek, because did you see what they're wearing? 
I did indeed see what they were wearing. <laughs> um, holy cats. This is this is going to be a lot of fun today. So um, I hope everybody's ready to answer some personal questions about their own wardrobes here. Let's start with Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Can you provide a summary of this movie to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it? And then I have a couple of questions for you. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, this was truly a great movie in my opinion star trek 6 the undiscovered country film 6 of 13 from the original series uh release date the 6th of november 1991. in this episode kirk and mccoy are framed for sabotaging the peace negotiations with the klingons when the enterprise unexpectedly fires on the klingon ship they're captured and sent to a prison planet where they have to escape and save the peace negotiations. I chose this episode because the outfits are absolutely brilliant and the Klingons wearing so much Naga hide is all you can hear when they walk around. The shapeshifters on the planet is incredibly exotic and beautiful and the uniforms are interesting and detailed. The shikaker boots of the Klingons wear are deadly. And did you see what the judge was wearing at the trial? Uh, yes, I did. I know you really want that hood. Um, yes, I do. You? Yes, I do. Um, that was an awesome hood, though. Yeah, that that judge was great. And yeah, thanks for bringing up the shapeshifter because that was um, that was the model I'm in. But the different um, characters that they shapeshifted into was interesting as well. I thought this movie was so good. It was almost hard to look at the fashion due to the story being so interesting. And and I say almost because, yes, that Naga hide on the Klingons was incredible, uh, shocking and intriguing. You could hear every move the Klingons made because the leatherette was rubbing against itself. <laughs> and then, like, in the chat at the watch party, I was like, is that Christopher Plummer? Because yes, that was a yes. super treat for me he was so good he was my first celebrity crush when i was about seven years old and he played captain von trapp and sang edelweiss in the sound of music so seeing him as a villain now was great and that eye patch like everything about him was great and at the time this movie was made they were still into shoulder pads and i i remembered that this movie was being made it was released in 91 so i'm sure that they were thinking about it in uh, you know 89 and that was the same decade as eddie murphy's delirious that he had a special out in the 80s and his outfit for that show was not far off from the klingons in this show they were you know expanded a little bit but uh it was very similar i thought was that the one with the 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 red leather? The yeah, one covered in red leather. Yeah, oh, incredible. Yeah, the but the shoulders it kind of had the the uh, quilting or the the seams in there that looked quite similar. So anyway, it was it was the style that was for sure. So in this episode, everyone was incredibly expressive with their outfits, with the Klingons in particular really going out of their way to express themselves. Do you have a favorite outfit? And what do you think it says about you when you wear it? I do. I have a closet full of favorite outfits. I used to work in office environments and, you know, have to wear button-up shirts. And one time I went down to um, uh, the, the fashion district in downtown L.A. 
and there's this alley there that's just filled like a marketplace and everywhere you everywhere you walk there's people and shops everywhere like literal open air markets and you can just walk through all of this stuff and there's people out in the middle of the alley just you know pushing their wares on you and i came across the most beautiful jacket it was leather and it had like just it had these patches on it that were like this soft leather and then there was this hard leather beneath it and there was zippers and and i had to get it and it was it was way too much it was you know uh it was it was so much money but i had to get it anyway and i love that jacket that jacket still hangs in my closet and i get it out on special occasion because for me it says you know i i'm invincible when i'm wearing this jacket not only could you not like you know hit me with a knife you just wouldn't penetrate the thick leather but i'm looking good doing it too and so it feels to me like this is this is a part of my my rebel motorcycle look and it says you know don't mess with me so it's my favorite outfit Wow, that sounds incredible. We'll have to have a, a picture of all of us in our favorite outfits at one point. <laughs> we'll do a little PTR game. Uh, that that sounds great. It it sounds like you might have your inner Klingon on when you're wearing that jacket as well. <laughs> it doesn't sound it's much true. different from the Klingons. Yeah, it's true. Well, and I mean, uh, short of all of the, you know, maybe the 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 sash. Uh, come on, the sash. The, the, every like just and i mean you know Worf carried that through but i thought that you know they did it better with the gold sashes coming golden black sashes coming across their shoulders and going down their sides and i'm so glad that you mentioned the eye patch because that eye patch was cyberpunk as fuck and i loved it yeah it was almost like it was drilled into his head like, yeah, I just, I thought that was, that was great. He looked great. And I mean, he's still handsome and uh, yeah, that was, that was great. But that's, um that's great. Thank you for your story of your jacket. While you were talking to me about that, um, I was thinking, oh yeah, zippers, patches. What do, what do I have that, that represents me? But I am a bit of a fashion horse. So I, I just have so many outfits. I don't know that I could pick a favorite. Uh, how about you, Gallo? Welcome to the stage. And you were at the watch party yesterday, which was so much fun. Do you have a favorite outfit? And what do you think it says about you when you wear it? I have not had a favorite outfit in a very long time, actually. Uh, so that's a little bit of a hard question to answer. Um, there was a time when I had like a favorite look. I don't know really how to describe it other than like New York Jewish bohemian um, with like sort of uh, muted colors, but um, a little bit of sparkle uh, and zippers <laughs> Where, wherever I could um, have zippers. Um, what, what did I want it to say about me? I wanted to express a sort of... Um, I don't know what to call it other than like New, New Yorkiness, you know, there's some sort of uh, sense of a variety of experience and diversity of modes of, of being. Yeah, I don't really know how else to how else to describe that. 
when you said New York bohemian, I kind of got what you were saying. And then when you described it, it, it sort of matched. I quite like that. It's funny because I live on the other side of the continent. And all my life, I've really been into what's now known as coastal grandma, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where it's like white and beiges and things that you might wear at the beach, but in order to cover up and, you know, not get too sunburned. So... <laughs> So they call that coastal grandma, and uh, I still really like it. Lots of linens and stuff like that. And I, I wonder what that says about me. It doesn't say grandma, but I, I think it maybe has a little bit to do with growing up and watching Diane Keaton my whole life. <laughs> so um, welcome to the stage, Charlotte. Uh, you also watched the the movie with us yesterday, so thank you for coming to that. How about you, Charlotte? Do you have a favorite outfit, and what do you think it says about you when you wear it? As a matter of fact, I do. And it's winter time, and that's when my fun outfits come out. I, I'm 60 years of age. I turned 60 this year. And I realize now you've talked about the grandma, <laughs> the coastal grandma. It just cracked me up because that's that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much my, my look as well. <laughs> just rocking the grandma look. But in the most active participating world in the snow and all that because my grandma loved to play in the snow and when I was a kid she'd be right out there with us and I feel that I have the spirit of the of my grandmother with me and that Norwegian blood just starts going you know so so I have these boots right it's from from my feet to the top of my head I have I have various types of boots that I've had for years. I had a crazy thing happen with regards to clothing and these things that, you know, really turn us on about ourselves, that make us passionate about the world that we're living in. And for me, I had a heartbreaking thing happen during menopause because my feet grew. So I had to change out my whole wardrobe of shoes because I went from like a 10 to size 11. I'm only 5'3". I'm only 5'3". So I said that's also an indication that my Norwegian blood has woken up in my life and that, um, you know, I'm even developing my own ski feet and, and snowshoes with my own anatomy. And so, um, yeah, I feel that that's a bit of my, my, my spirit that goes back to my family's roots that still lives within me. And the coats and the wool, the, the, the big collars, the, the hats, uh, the scarves, um, but man, do I rock these boots. And and that's something about my spirit that really gets me going on that. I also wanted to share, looking back when I was a teenager, when I was a young teenager, so I was around 74, 75, um, I saved up my money that I had earned farming, mowing lawns, babysitting, detasseling corn, to buy the just right coat. And the coat that I bought, T, I love how you celebrated the Naga hide. <laughs> the Naga hide and the faux fur. I mean, I looked like the love child of uh, Joe Namath and, and Angela Lansbury. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way Angela Lansbury dressed in MAME, you know, because they had the big furry collars. Yeah. And, yeah, and then, and then 
that kind of hourglass shape of the coat, the way the noggin hide hugged my hips, <laughs> and and uh, you know, and then with then then accent that with the big, thick, meaty platform shoes with the bubble toe, you know, oh, those seventy looks. They were just like, oh wow. So anyway, that's my share. I'm gonna land my plane there. Thank you. Remember, we land our shuttlecraft. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> um, yes, by shuttlecraft. <laughs> In the most delightful um, way. That's right. Yeah, that's great. You know what? I had one. I was a a child in the 70s but I had one of I'm sure that it was a coat like what you said because I had this coat that went down almost to my knees so it was long sort of fitted and then it had this big almost shawl fake fur collar that came around yes and, and of course like the Klingons when I moved you could hear me move because the the naga hide from the arms would rub against the naga hide of the bodice right but I loved that coat those were that was a great style uh welcome to the stage Steve thank you so much for the watch parties you have just taken that on and every Saturday before we have the show you do the watch party with all of the episodes and movies and it's just been absolutely amazing for us to be able to just come and enjoy the shows with you and anybody else who comes on to discord so I can't thank you enough for what you've done this season to help support this uh, so you know kudos to you so on this one I would like to know from you, Steve, do you have a favorite outfit and what do you think it says about you when you wear it? Uh, it's def it's very much my pleasure uh, with the watch parties. I always have fun and I really love the enthusiasm of everybody that shows up. It's It's been a really awesome ride being able to do that with you guys. I have, so I have, I guess it's got to be described as a niche uh uh opinion and preference when it comes to uh my clothes because i never really thought of myself as like being into fashion or really like heavy about what people should wear because my main focus has always been utility over looks like i don't care what it looks like to anybody else it's about utility to me uh, but then i've come to find i, I can't be 100 percent honest and say that anymore because my my wife, uh, she actually points it out that uh, I, that in her words, I dress like a five year old, <laughs> and by that she's talking about I I love to wear uh, shorts uh, in general warm weather, and I like shorts with the pockets, uh, you know, on on the thighs, uh, just as many pockets as possible. Uh, I also wear um, a a shirt that usually has like uh, some some meaning behind it or some a, a general t-shirt with a message or you know from fandom or, or nerdery kind of stuff that i'm into often superheroes or or anime uh or jokes i love jokes um and then i tend to obscure and cover that up with um a vintage polyester really really great material that's long lasting doesn't doesn't wrinkle and uh worst thing about it is that it builds up static charge like no tomorrow it's from from these old time shirts which i think they're starting to make something like them now but they're they they have gone for a long time in the industry 
of fashion not producing these shirts you'd recognize them for like the 90s and the early aughts and are like hawaiian shirts except that they've got anime or superhero or uh you know some other like awesome action hero kind of thing going on them i'm a, I, i'm just a a sucker for those i spend huge amounts of money to find these as collector's items and whenever i go out for a vacation time hangout time what have you i'm as my wife put it uh dressing like a five-year-old because i just love the those messages and those shirts and uh i i even defeat the purpose of of the shirt that i'm wearing underneath the button-up shirt because it can't be seen by the big button-up shirt even when it's unbuttoned um not usually anyway and then I, I wear uh, uh, baseball caps also with nerdery kind of stuff on it. Like I've got one of my favorite uh, caps has is a blue, uh, like a, a sort of baby bluish color that, that can be uh, often recognized from the Fallout series. And the number 111 in yellow uh, in the middle. And that's referencing Vault 111 from Fallout 4. <laughs> I just, I love it. So, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Um, you know, it's 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 funny about clothing because I'm not sure. Like the question, and and this isn't a critique, but the question of what do you think it says about you when you wear it? When I'm listening to you talk about what you wear, it's more like you're communicating to other people a, a sign of if you know what this is we have something in common, right? Like it, it's a way of connecting because I'm sure some of those things, I wouldn't know what your hat meant, but a person who would, you'd be able to strike up a conversation with them. You'd have a starting point. And I think that that's really neat. I also think that you could easily wear your outfits here in Vancouver year round and fit in and look like a local because cargo pants and naughty t-shirts are all the rage here. <laughs> We're not too formal. Thank you for that share. Uh, well, welcome to the stage, The Heretic and Nicolene. I will put this question to you guys first and then we'll move on. The Heretic, do you have a favorite outfit and what do you think it says about you when you wear it? Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, funny that you ask. Uh, I'm a weirdo. Uh, I like to dress in completely torn clothing. Uh, the more shredded, the better. And then I like to put on a werewolf mask and some rollerblades with werewolf feet, grab a stick, and go rollerblading around town uh, after I eat pizza. And then uh, I like to get the public to throw me a stick. Uh, I have no idea why I do this. Just like every now and then, I'll take like a week or like three weeks or whatever to go out dressed like a werewolf and get the public to throw me a stick. I don't know why I do this. I got pictures. I'm kind of a little famous in my city for it. Uh, it's just one of my things. And it makes me feel invincible. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll all consider a little bit of an intervention after the podcast here so that we can figure out what that says about you <laughs> when you wear it. But thank you for sharing. I think that that would be great. I would love somebody to do that in my city, actually. That'd be funny. They they would end up being become becoming a famous celebrity of sorts, too. Uh, so welcome to the stage, Nicolene. Do you have a favorite outfit? And what do you think it says about you when you wear it? Oh, yeah, I do. I love hearing everybody else's, though. Um, here's the thing. 
I have this favorite outfit that is jeans and a sweater. I wear nothing else. I mean, if I go out or if I go to a party or something, but every day you can see me be as invisible as humanly possible. And I'll tell you why I do it. This is what happened to me at a Star Trek party when I was 22. The next generation was the big thing. And I had a costume to go. I mean, I was dressed all in silver um, with body paint everywhere and a huge white skirt. And when I was at this party, now we're talking levels of dance halls. We're talking a movie theater, big ass movie theater that played all the movies back to back. Um, the entire staff was dressed as the Borg and really well as well. So I, I was in it, I was, I was in heaven. And then there was a dance floor and there was music that I liked. So I went up to the dance floor and I started dancing and I had the best time. And then when the song end, ended, and I, in my silver dress, was having the most time doing my little pirouettes, because I like to dance, all of a sudden, there was this entire space cleared where I'd been dancing, and everybody was looking at me. And I felt like a little lamb that suddenly looked up and saw she was surrounded by wolves. And I thought, yep, back to my sweaters again, because I feel uncomfortable here. I guess I wasn't ready to be seen yet. And I really love that question right now, because just last week I was talking with my friends and they were like, dude, you are so ready to be seen. You gotta start showing yourself. You're not 22 anymore. Come on, you got this. So thanks for that question. I love telling the story. It's an awesome story. It is really awesome. I, I, I love that. It's, it's too bad that that's how that, that dance and the pirouette ended because it sounds like people were clearing space in awe more than anything else. Cause I'm sure you looked amazing. Um, and what a great party. That sounds like an awesome venue to celebrate Star Trek. Wow. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I'm actually familiar um, with that feeling too, by the way. Uh, just because uh, on one of my first dates with my now wife, we went to a club and I was showing off breakdancing. And then when I stood up and finished my little set, I realized that everybody in the club was staring at me. I thought that I, I felt like I was about to fight 300 people, but I just won a dance competition. I didn't even know it was in. And it was a free drink and a meal. So I won my first, I won my wife on like our second date. Uh, free drink and a meal, but I thought I was going to fight like 300 people and get my ass kicked. That's hilarious. <laughs> I love that. That is good. I, I, I think the question on everybody's mind was, were you wearing the werewolf costume when you were doing the, when you won the dance competition? <laughs> nope, but I have been in that club multiple times dressed as a werewolf. Actually, this werewolf has saved my ass from multiple soccer punches on multiple different occasions. Oh, that's great. That is great. Let's move on. This is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse. Our regular show is Sunday at 10 a.m. PST. To be notified of future shows, please join the club on Clubhouse and our mailing list at StarTrekSundaysPodcast.com. Today we are discussing fashion and costumes in Did You See What They're Wearing? So let's move on to Friday's Child. T, can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to see this amazing episode. And then I have a couple of questions for you. Yeah, this one was a real wild one. Friday's Child, the original series, 
Season 2, Episode 3, first aired on the 1st of December, 1967. I wasn't even born yet. In this episode, the, F the Enterprise becomes involved in a local power struggle on planet Capella 4, where the Klingons w want mining rights, and Kirk and the crew have to intervene to help out the locals. I chose this episode because the costumes are like someone walked into a fabric store and just started throwing things on the actors. It was an absolute riot to watch the locals parade around and everything from blankets on their head to elaborate Disney princess uh, outfits. Just one of those truly bizarre episodes that I think showed off Star Trek fashion beautifully oh yeah oh i mean this was this was nuts uh, i mean <laughs> i just kept thinking come on please who were these costume designers in this one and what were they taking i'm a, a seamstress and i've made hundreds of pieces of clothing for myself and others and this was just offensive at at first because yeah. afterwards it was totally hilarious it was hilarious but but like in the moment like my my thought was my thought process was i could i could see it's 1967 and i'm in the dressing room and it's like all right all right got it I, I, here's what we're gonna do we're gonna put the <laughs> blanket on their head and just we're gonna wrap it around there. We're just gonna put the tiara. We're, we're gonna put the tiara like this. Okay, okay, just go. Right. Okay, you're done. Right. Just get out there. Right. And do, all right, just do it. All right, here, hit this, man. It's it's so funny that you're saying that because later my note my notes about the next one. I say, whereas the costume designers in Friday's Child were knocking back speedballs, <laughs> and then I go to talk about Deep Space Nine and how great it was, because this one was, it was crazy like that. Like, I was like, what are you mixing? Because it's either too much or too little. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm glad you chose this ridiculousness instead of finding fashion that was fashionable. Um, because while the 60s were wild, no one was wearing window fringe and fake rug strips as clothing that I can recall anyway. I just, I, I loved it. It was, it was ridiculous. And I think in some sad way, this is the kind of thing that is memorable about Star Trek. So people think they're all like this. And this is the first one that we've seen that's been absolutely ridiculous like this. And just a note before we go on to the fun stuff about this, I, I just want to note about the storyline here. Bones, Yikenheimers, the misogyny and condescension was heavy in this one. <laughs> like we were all at the watch party going, what? What? what, what did he just do? What did he just say? So that was, that was really interesting and a sign of the times. Getting back to the, the clothing, uh, my question is uh, about the outfits here were absolutely wild. What is the craziest costume you've ever seen in real life? And would you wear it yourself? I have the privilege of working with a, a self-proclaimed circus freak who worked in, you know, in building freak shows and stuff like that. 
he had some special talents and really went out of his way to make amazing costumes and incredible experiences and we used to spend hours in his loft making the most wild stuff so the best one i think we ever came up with was uh, we, we were going for uh, space right we wanted to do something really big so we put four wings that expand you know we put a, put a harness on him and wings that went out four and a half feet and then you know fake plate armor over that and armor on his legs and and feet and everything and then he was up on three foot stilts and so all of that was plated and then we had a silver ball that was it was inflated it was made out of rubber but it was silver and this itself was five feet so in order for him to get up on his costume at our, our party which was you know in a big huge massive empty lot a, a parking lot that had been converted to a you know an, an outdoor party space he had to first and foremost assemble the scaffolding and then once he had the scaffolding he had to climb the scaffolding on his stilts you know put the stilts on climb up the scaffolding and then step onto the five and a half foot ball where he would proceed to walk around on three foot stilts on a five and a half ball clanking and you know making as much noise as possible with his armor and he had a sword and a shield and he used to bang it and walk and you know this five and a half foot ball he has he has to balance on with these stilts and it was just it was just this amazing sight because it looked like you know a, a 12 foot tall giant walking around in armor to, to see it was truly intimidating and i could never ever pull off something like that myself because i would just crash to the ground but his talent was being able to walk on these gigantic balls in stilts that that is nuts man absolutely nuts yeah i wouldn't be um I wouldn't be wearing that either. For all of you who are changing your PTRs, I just want to let everybody know who's in the audience if they haven't uh, refreshed yet. Um, we've got Gela wearing one of her favorites. We've got the heretic as the werewolf. I can't believe that you put that up. That's amazing. Um, and Joshua, he said that um, he posted his Yoda tattoo and says, even though I can't see it, knowing it's there reminds me to seek the calm that my PTSD and depression sometimes make it hard to find. Uh, others who see it often understand that Yoda is something more to me than just a character, and this helps me find community in unlikely places. I think that's amazing. And Nicolene, you are gorgeous in your outfit as well. I would have stepped back and let you pirouette in front of me. So I think these are just, these are beautiful contributions thank you everyone for for the photos i love that you've just been playing this this ptr game naturally so joanna welcome to the stage i want to put this one to you we actually have answered two questions so far the first one was do you have a favorite outfit and what do you think it says about you when you wear it so you're welcome to answer that one or you can answer this one which is what is the craziest costume you've ever seen in real life and would you wear it yourself? Okay, well, when I was little, I had a poncho. They were very fashionable. And recently I watched the VCR 
of me in the 70s wearing the poncho and it had like um big polka dots um i don't think i'd wear it now i hope this is apropos too for an answer the, when i saw the lion king the costumes um, were so elaborate and colorful and intricate intricate that i almost kept blinking and i and i i couldn't believe my own eyes <laughs> um so that's my answer thank you thank you joanna perhaps charlotte remembers ponchos too because uh, i wore a lot of ponchos i still love them and i still have a couple the only thing that's changed from when I wore them as a kid to when I wear them now is I don't pull them over my head and pretend that I have long hair by wearing a poncho on my head. I want to, I, I want to get into wearing a Rowan cloak, like ponchos. I like ponchos, but uh, the Rowan cloak, I would like to see this make a comeback. <laughs> I can see that happening. I mean, uh, anybody who was at the watch party yesterday uh, understood how T fell in love with the uh, the hooded cloak that the judge wore in the movie. So um, I think I think I think you guys could bring it back is what I'm saying. So go for it. Absolutely go for it. Gala, what's the craziest costume you've ever seen in real life? And would you wear it yourself? So I don't know if it would if it really qualifies as crazy but um so i live in brooklyn and i uh i grew up in and and now again live in a caribbean neighborhood um where they have uh, a carnival parade um on labor day and if you've never been to a caribbean carnival parade oh my god the costumes the the sparkles and the feathers and the and people wear these huge elaborate like they look like peacock tails but like so much louder and it's so so gorgeous to see all of these people in these extraordinarily colorful and and sparkly costumes one of the really beautiful things about um watching people in this parade is that you have people of all body types wearing these very, very sexy costumes and showing their bodies and decorating their bodies in the most extraordinarily beautiful ways. And to see the confidence and the joy that, uh, that, that this, this cultural expression allows people to, you know, to put out there. I know that I would never have that kind of confidence to wear something like that, but it's, it's just so beautiful to see on other people. Yeah. I, I, I love those costumes as well. I, I, I understand the, uh, the carnival, uh, type costumes that you're talking about. Uh, so yeah, they are absolutely beautiful. I take it, I think it takes a bit of a skill <laughs> to wear some of these things, almost like the, the one that T shared as well. This is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse. Our regular show is Sunday at 10 a.m. PST. To be notified of future shows, please join the club on Clubhouse and our mailing list at Star Trek Sundays podcast.com. Today we're discussing fashion and costumes in Did You See What They're Wearing? T, let's move to the Way of the Warrior. 
Can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it, what it was about, and then I'll ask my questions. Definitely. The Way of the Warrior, Deep Space Nine, Season 4, Episode 1 and 2, first aired on the 2nd of October, 1995. In this episode, a Klingon fleet under General Martok arrives at the station, ostensibly to protect the Alpha Quadrant from the Dominion, and Sisko recruits Lieutenant Worf to discover the Klingons' true intentions. I chose this episode because it was just a great episode with so many different cultures and their different ways of expressing themselves, and it put Garrick, the ta a tailor with a tailor shop, on the station in the spotlight. Thank you, T. Yeah, I didn't even know that Garrick was a, a tailor because I, ha I haven't seen a lot of Deep Space Nine. As many of you know, I started watching all the Star Trek after The Next Generation as we moved through this podcast. So um, so this was new to me, but I, I've enjoyed each of them every time. I found Cisco to be fantastic here and having Worf and Cisco together in this one was awesome. Their voices were just amazing. You could really feel them. I am obsessed with Quark. <laughs> and so this one, like you said earlier, he's the best dressed Ferengi. I, I almost think he's Star Trek's best dressed person. And maybe it's just my own personal style, but I think I would wear all of what Quark wears. Like I work in an office and it's just got enough flair for me that I would feel individual, but the way it's tailored, I, I just love it. And so this is where I say, yeah. whereas, what was that, T? I'm sorry, I, I was just going to say that I have to say when I went back and rewatched DS9, I just fell in love with Quark's outfits over and over and over and over again. And, and I think you're right. He is the best dressed alien in the, in the galaxy. Yeah, I just, I love it. And this is where my line from earlier comes in where I say, uh, whereas the costume designers in Friday's child were knocking back speed balls, the costume designers for deep space nine are in line with Edith head, a designer for movies who designs were gorgeous, but could easily be adapted for real life. And that's what I found in this. And, and I also found that as it, panned and and perhaps it was because we had a little bit of time in quark's bar there were people there that were dressed up i i said in the watch party yesterday that there was this one woman i think who was wearing something sparkly some sort of polka dotted top and it looked like people were dressed up to go to the bar and i i liked that atmosphere so i think the attention to that detail has been done really well here the other thing that happened in quark's bar that was really important was the root beer scene remember that yeah i did notice that <laughs> yeah, yeah i did i'm looking forward to digging into more of the root beer scenes it's, it's <laughs> just like the federation <laughs> love that scene yeah it it was a good connection scene for them and uh and said so much more than just a commentary on root beer that's for sure so through all of these um the, the movie and the episodes we watched, the Klingons played a really big part in all of them and were often the big bad in Star Trek and have gone through some pretty major changes over the years as shown through this group of shows. What changes do you think, T, are in store for us as a society and as a species in the future? And 
to keep it on point here, how will fashion influence our culture and vice versa? It's a great question. You know, um, the other day I went to the store and I went to check out and there was a, at first glance, what I thought was a guy. And turns out, yes, it was. They had makeup, earrings, lipstick, a choker, and you know, were and uh, painted nails. They were otherwise presenting as a woman. They were beautiful. They, they were quite, quite stunning. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is wonderful. We're actually going to see that integration in our society. It's going to be a thing where, you know, employment for these people is no longer an issue, where they can, you know, work and and uh, and move about freely in our society. I think that you know, in uh, in a, well, encounter at Farpoint, we had uh, the scant and the male wearing one, which is the the short skirt uh, dress, you know, and, and with exposed legs and and boots. And I think that uh, you know, Star Trek had that right. Star Trek had this idea of you know, sort of more open, more fluid dress wear and more fluid. Uh, expression and sort of tearing down those barriers of sex and and I think we I think that you know we already see some of that in society where you know I remember there there wasn't a time when where men carried uh, pouches and now men carry pouches openly I think that started with like the fanny pack or something and so this is like you know sort of an adoption of the purse the walls are going to break down and we're just going to see all of that fashion allow for new roles and i think that eventually long term we're going to see things that we that we aren't ready for in terms of like genetic modifications we're going to see people that have fur on them and cat ears and and other you know wild modifications that are going you know transhumanism that's going to take us down a new road that we are going to have to do this all over again for and then we'll see the integration of that. And that's just going to be the cycle that we're stuck in. But at least we can say that, you know, we're making progress in terms of getting further along in tearing down those walls. That's great. Um, yeah, I appreciate you uh, sharing that about seeing people express themselves freely because I, I love that here. We uh, were pretty free and Vancouver and um and it it is sort of become the norm here but I also know that you only have to travel three or four hours outside the city to get people who who think that someone who's wearing makeup who wouldn't normally be wearing makeup in their culture or area of the province you know is a weirdo and it's like no weirder than I am when I put mascara on. Um, it sometimes makes me miss the 80s because the 80s were so influential in music and music videos coming out and seeing all of the fashion that the the rock stars had. And we, it was so easy to access that, access that stuff that kids in high school were a lot more gender fluid. You know, the girls were wearing really androgynous clothing. We had Annie Lennox to look to. And then we had all the the hair bands wearing lots of eyeliner. It was great. Uh, and somehow, while I like the, the music of grunge, that kind of led us back into a binary way of looking at these things when it comes to influence of the culture on um, 
on society. So I won't uh, go on too much more about how great the 80s were in fashion. Nicolene, what do you think? How will fashion influence our culture and vice versa? I find it such an interesting question, Victoria, especially the vice versa. Now, not many people know this about me, but before I got deep into dreaming um, and being a dream expert, I was a historian. Um, that is, I studied history. And one of the things I found super fascinating was fashion. And in just in the Netherlands where I was, I noticed that in the 20th century, you could really see how people are optimistic about life in general, the economy, the world's politics reflected in what people wear to the office, especially in women's clothing. And I discovered, and this was really funny when I saw it, that the more pessimistic people are, the more conservative people start to dress. So what is appropriate as, well, you could wholly wear that skirt to the office in the 90s. I don't know if you remember Ally McBeal, the series, um, other TV shows <laughs> yes. where those skirts on Friends, they were short. I mean, they were short and everybody wore that to the office because that was normal. Why? Optimistic time. But in the 80s, where people were a little bit more pessimistic about what is going to happen with the Cold War and the economy, those skirts that were worn to the office were really, really long. And if you start paying attention, 1920s, short. 1930s, hemlines dropped again. And I started thinking, like, do we give ourselves more permission to be free when we feel more optimistic, like, oh, it's going to be fine? Or is the shortness of the skirt just as restrictive as the long ones? I have no answer for this. I mean, I was a student, I was in my twenties. What did I know? But I find it a fascinating question. Back to you, Victoria. Well, thank you. Yeah, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> I know we've we've shared spaces and rooms before, but um, this this is great. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I agree with you. And when I think about the miniskirt, I've, I've probably read that before because that was the one that came to mind here when I was thinking about society and how culture and society is affected or affects the fashion. I just want to invite T into here because I've been talking for a little bit and T, you haven't interjected for a bit. Did you have anything to add at this point? I don't think so. I mean, it's just been, it's been such a wonderful stage and I've just been enjoying everybody's, you know, contribution. Oh, great. So Joshua, are you there? And, and if so, do you want to um, tell us what you think about fashion and society and how they f affect each other? I do think, I thought that was really neat, the story that, um, I think it was T, you were talking about the the person that you saw at the, in the store and kind of just them kind of further stretching the bounds of, of what is considered acceptable and just kind of going about their their life and not really, <laughs> you know, not, not being performative for anybody else, but they're just doing their thing. It's an interesting thing because the last two years, right, and I think my fashion sense kind of dropped a little bit because I was sitting at home a lot for the last two years other than when I'd go out to surf to keep myself sane. I think that there is a growing awareness of the need not to pretend to be something you're not and people willing to just kind of like, well, if people don't understand it, then that's their problem. The more that people just are feel more free to be themselves or care, care less, 
um, I think you're going to see some really neat things about how people present themselves intentionally. And then it's going to spark conversation and it's going to spark kind of new things and discussions that people have. There might be some friction and, and so on, depending on how far things go. But I think more and more people are less concerned with the fashion. I do think that this embracing of our uniqueness as a way to connect with other people. We're thinking of society more as a tapestry rather than necessarily a homogenization. I think that is going to see some really cool variants of fashion and things that we haven't seen as frequently, like the, the person you saw in the store. It's interesting because what you were saying brought out some other thoughts that I had about fashion and how we see now in offices that that I've worked at recently, like in the last five years even, how fashions from different decades are all sort of acceptable at this time. You know, in certain areas, you can't wear shirt, skirts that are too short because they're just not um, practical. But you could wear a, a skirt that was seven inches above the knee to three inches above the knee to down to your ankles. And nobody would say, oh, you're not, the, the hem height isn't in fashion. It would all be fashionable. You know, it might look like you're wearing something that was inspired by a certain decade, but it's almost like there's not trends the same way there used to be, which I quite like because it gives us a freedom. T, why don't you talk about what we've got coming up? This is the end of season one, and it has been an incredible ride. But we are coming, planning on coming back in 2023. So look for us then, probably the first or second week of January. What I invite you to do is go to our website, StarTrekSundaysPodcast.com, or just StarTrekSundays.com, it'll take you there, and sign up for our mailing list, where we also are going to be sending out notifications about other things that we're going to be doing. Until then, I do hope to see you during uh, Steve's Back to Blue watch parties. I'm really looking forward to watching Strange New Worlds and uh, maybe Tron and Tron Legacy. I think that would be a lot of fun. And of course, Blade Runner, the final cut, because those are all movies I know Victoria hasn't seen. So maybe we'll get to those. Thank you so much for everything, guys. The crew has just been amazing and looking forward to seeing you in the new year. Yeah, this has just been so much fun. I know when we started, we had you had a little idea of where we were going, but I don't even think you knew that we would get this far with what we have in store uh, because some of these things just keep popping up as as people mention things. And I just want to thank everybody for going on this journey with me and introducing me to more science fiction because I am looking forward to seeing those movies for the first time. They're classics and everybody talks about them and I have nothing to say, uh, but I think I'm in a place in my life now where I would really be able to dig in and enjoy them. So I appreciate the opportunities and the community that we have here. We're talking about, did you see what they're wearing? So does anybody have anything generally to say on these episodes or uh, about fashion in general? Yeah, I did want to point out that um, the, the whole uh, theme of these, besides the fashion, was also the Klingons and how the Klingons have uh, changed over the years. They are descended from humans, but... Um, you know, have had a lot of retconning of their their history. And I think it's an interesting study because in a lot of ways, I think that 
um, you know, the, the Klingons were painted as an, uh, a, an oppressed race or, or a misunderstood race because they were warlike, but then they ended up sort of like finding their place in the Star Trek universe. And in, in Star Trek six, you know, we saw the beginning of the peace treaty. And I think that, you know, as we go forward in, uh, into the new year, there's going to be new seasons of Picard and, with with the new season of Picard, we know Worf is going to become a pacifist and become a um, political activist for pacifism. <laughs> um, and I think that that's a, a really interesting arc for the Klingons because, you know, uh, they don't want to be wiped out, right? And so to have this, uh, this play out, I, I just thought it was a, a really brilliant, you know, set that they created with the undiscovered country and how... The writers put that together and then like you know how later on the klingons were still alive as a result i thought that was a really interesting arc and uh i'm looking forward to seeing where they take the klingons in the future and especially the fashion of the klingons because their fashion was just amazing in that movie yeah you, you know one of the things that i noticed yesterday is so off topic that i'll, I'll say it here because it was about the Klingons, but it also reminded me about the other different groups we see, different species and, and cultures that we see, is every time they're featured, it can be the Romulans, it can be the Borg, there is some bit of the writing that makes us, even for a moment, understand them. Like we kind of get where they're coming from. For a moment, we know that they're evil, but we we see the logic in the Borg. We make sense of some of the stuff that the Romulans do or say, and uh, and that happens with the Klingons too. Um, I don't come from a a background of having a heavy traditional cultural uh, thing, just sort of Western world stuff. But when I watch the Klingons. And we learn about their culture and how important it is to them. It's talking about those people in our world who who have cultures like that, that define themselves by their culture and then define their cultures, I guess. And and it's interesting because Worf was torn between his culture and his job. He had these competing identities within himself. And I thought that in itself would be an amazing episode for the podcast next year, because I think that we've probably seen that in other episodes as well. But I'd like to revisit this one because here, you know, we saw that he was going to leave Starfleet, but he also wasn't just going back to his culture. He just didn't feel like he belonged anywhere. I felt a lot of compassion and sadness for him. And of course, a lot of relief and happiness for him when he, and he decided to stay on Deep Space Nine. I just wanted to mention that because I, I think that the writers are so good with giving us opportunities for this kind of thought process and contemplation. And we can have fun and look at the fashion and we can have fun and look at the sci-fi. But these are really deep things that when we explore them this way, I think that we find out a lot about ourselves as well, because this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. So thank you, T, for curating such a great collection for us once again. You are most welcome. This whole adventure is simply amazing. And uh, I am really looking forward to continuing to curate more 
um, episodes and more content surrounding those episodes and really bring some um, exciting people to the stage and having the crew interact with them. Thank you so much for this whole opportunity. Thank you, everyone on the crew. You're all amazing. And I just want to thank everybody for coming. And uh, Star Trek Sundays uh, has just become part of my life now in a way I didn't ex expect it to be. So, so thank you so much, everybody. I hope to see you guys in the hallways, in some of the rooms that we have, at the watch parties, and of course next year when we start doing this on, on Sundays again too. So have a great afternoon and a great week, and we'll see you around. Live long and prosper. <laughs>